0: my name is heather today's scripture reading is from the good news according to john chapter 12 beginning at verse 1 listen for the word of god six days before the passover jesus came to bethany the home of lazarus whom he had raised from the dead there they gave a dinner for him martha served and lazarus was one of those at the table with him Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
1: Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. So the setting for today is the house of sisters Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. It's something of a celebration, you could say. Jesus and his friends are there reclining and dining together. And the occasion, presumably, is the fact that just a few days ago, Lazarus was dead. (laughs) Three days later, Jesus arrived at the mouth of the tomb, called to Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus did. It's probably as good a reason as any to hold a dinner party. You think? I mean, what kind of card... Do you get somebody for the day of their resurrection? I mean, maybe an Easter card, I don't know. The whole thing's going pretty smoothly. Everyone's having a great time. That is until Mary Magdalene arrives on the scene with this clay jar. Matthew's version of the story tells us that she takes this clay jar and she just smashes it. She smashes it. And the room's suddenly saturated. It's invaded corner to corner by this sweet, flowery aroma. The smell makes it clear that this is nard, you know, <laughs> what all of you put on in the morning before you come to church. <laughs> this fragrant oil from the spike nard plant that comes all the way from the Himalayas, and it smells so good, so nice, that it's used as perfume. And Mary Magdalene just empties this whole pound of it over Jesus' feet. And there's so much to soak up some of it with her hair. It's all over Jesus. It's all over her, the floor. It's everywhere. And it's at this point where the music stops. There's a dead silence. And Judas, who you may know as the disciple, betrays the Lord, he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Don't you know that we could have sold that perfume for 300 denarii and gave all the money away to somebody who actually needed it? I mean, we're told that Judas was writing checks to himself from the company account. So there's a little bit of self-interest going on here. But he also has a point. Judas has a point. 300 denarii a year's wage for a working person. It's like Mary smashed $50,000 over Jesus' feet, which could buy a lot of Kansas soup, a lot of warm winter jackets and gloves, school supplies. $50,000 worth of what amounts to the fanciest spa treatment in the world, seems like a real waste, when so much concrete, practical good could be done with it instead. Judas has a bit of a point. Now, while listening to this text this week, I couldn't help but be reminded of a Facebook thread that I was privy to see about a month or so ago. The local newspaper uh, posted a story about how the Salvation Army Church opened their basement for an overnight warming shelter where street folks can get in from out of the cold when there's nowhere else to go. And there are lots of positive comments. But one struck out, kind of, stuck, out, stuck out to me as kind of a mixed comment of sorts. Wonderful, this person said. Wish all the other churches would actually do something useful, all caps, useful, like this. Obviously, the compliment was for the Salvation Army, and the criticism for, quote, all the other churches. All the other churches. Now, when I first read this, you know, I sort of got my back up a little bit, ready to respond, Don't forget St. George's all caps. <laughs> we host the soup kitchen, okay? We're useful, all caps, too. But then I realized the implication there. If service, social service, is the only useful thing churches do, then what's all the other stuff? Right? Bible study, useless. Youth group, useless. Visiting the sick, also useless. Weddings, funerals, baptisms, useless. Children's church, coffee, cake after church, also useless. Getting up out of bed, driving or walking, Sunday morning to sing hymns, Pray together, hear a sermon, even prayer at the lawn, on the lawn at the soup kitchen. You guessed it, also useless. Useless, 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 useless. All of it. Now part of it is this culture we're living in, we've more or less done away with transcendence. The idea that there's more to life than what we can touch, taste, smell, see, or quantify. We have a hard time seeing stuff as useful if it doesn't have an obvious, concrete, practical purpose. You know, just yesterday, I was getting out this beautiful puzzle for the kids called the Tree of Life, and it was so colorful. It had all the different species of animals grouped on it. It had, you know, every, on their own branch, mammals, reptiles, amphibians, insects, et cetera. And on the back, in big bold letters, it said, a STEM product, as in science, technology, engineering, and math. I mean, there's no no problem with STEM at all, but this, this was trying to say, like, this is, isn't just a puzzle for your children to enjoy on a rainy day. It's not just a frivolous waste of time on something like, say, having fun, or enjoying beauty, or enjoying each other's company. No, this puzzle isn't just a puzzle. It's job guaranteeing. It's a resume builder. anything else might be useless. And this is more or less the same point Judas is making about the nard. Why blow our time, our energy, and yes, our money on all this other superfluous stuff when it could all be used to do some real quantifiable good? Don't you know how much Wonder Bread and sliced ham all of this, goodbye. Might as well be a smashed jar of perfume in Judas's eyes. Now, before we settle on the fact that I just argued myself out of a job, <laughs> I mean, I guess I need more of those STEM puzzles in preparation. I'm an English major, so no, no offense to it was my, my little dig against the engineers, et cetera. <laughs> but perhaps we should pay a little more attention to the rest of the scripture. Because what's surprising here is that Jesus himself signs off on this extravagant expenditure. Jesus, who once told a rich young ruler that if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you've got to sell everything you've got and give it to the poor. Jesus is sitting there with $50,000 on his feet. And his response is to tell Judas to get off Mary's back. Leave her alone, he says. She bought it for when they put me in the ground. Referring to the Jewish practice of anointing dead bodies with oil and spices for burial. The poor you will always have with you, Jesus says, but you won't always have me. Now, here we get into the unique way that the Gospel of John tells the story of Jesus. The first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are relatively straightforward. I say relatively, and they're not straightforward entirely, but they are relatively straightforward But John, on the other hand, is jam-packed with symbolic meaning. All sorts of stuff's going on under the surface. And this little episode with the 50K of nard is a perfect example. Mary's anointing of Jesus is what we would call a prophetic action. In this action, we're given some divine perspective. First... We're shown that Jesus is going to die. There's no getting around it. In fact, at the end of the last chapter, we're told that Jesus, is raise, that Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead is the last straw. The religious authorities have a warrant out for his arrest now, and they want him dead. And I mean, judging... I mean, we've all heard how the story ends. We have the cross in the church. We all know how it turns out. And second, and perhaps as importantly, this tells us something about God, this action, this symbolic action. One commentator, Deanna Thompson, says that John puts Judas and Mary Magdalene together on purpose, side by side. Judas, she says, Judas cannot accept what it means to live according to the economy of God. Judas surrounds himself with those from whom he takes, victims of his self-centered Greed, whereas followers like Mary give as God gives. So, what Mary does with this oil is wasteful. It is wasteful. It's excessive. It's extravagant. And this is exactly the point because Mary Magdalene gives as God gives. Unlike us, God is not stingy. God gives excessively, without end, life, love, mercy, forgiveness, regardless of righteousness or character. God sends the rain on the just and the unjust alike, so much so, as John earlier tells us, so much so that God so loved the world that God gave God's one and only Son, not to condemn the world, but that it would be saved. Through him, God gave his son, and that is excessive. The waste, the excess, the extravagance, that is the point. The clay jar broken and emptied out is a figure of Christ whose body is broken and whose abundant life is poured out in his death on the cross for the life of the world and for your sake. And mine, this act, though it seems like a useless waste to those who can't see, is a symbol. It's an icon, a window into the character of God. God blew the bank on us in Jesus. And this whole episode reveals God's absolute, unending, foolishly extravagant generosity towards us all. Useless and wasteful to the spreadsheet obsessed but a sign pointing to salvation itself for those able to see with the eyes of faith the extravagance it is extravagant, it is a waste but that is entirely the point it's entirely the point and the same with the church at least the church at its best. The Apostle Paul again uses the image of clay jars for each of us. We have this treasure in clay jars, he says. The treasure he's talking about, of course, is God. That we exist, all of this exists, Bible studies, youth group, men's breakfast, visiting the sick, weddings, funerals, baptisms, children's church, coffee and cake after church, getting up out of bed, driving or walking to worship, singing hymns, praying together, hearing a sermon, all of this stuff, our life together exists as a clay vessel, a vessel by which we are filled to the brim with the love of God the abundant, everlasting life in the full of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you, this is why the Salvation Army, I mean, I didn't ask the Salvation Army captain this, but my sense is that this is why the Salvation Army opened their space to be a warming center, not just out of a desire to do something useful, You know, all caps, all caps useful. But because they know the grace of God. And there's always more than enough life to go around. It's why we have a soup kitchen. Ditto. It's certainly not making us any money. And there are many headaches that come along with having a soup kitchen. But it's because we want to be a vessel of excessive love in the way Christ first loved us. A love by which our own hearts are broken and poured out at the feet of Jesus for the sake of all creation. What seems like an elaborate waste to the world is actually the power by which we love the world. It's how God makes us useful Lowercase. Like I said last week, grace comes to us on its way to somebody else. When we receive it, we can't help but give it away. We can't help but pay, we can't help but pull a Mary Magdalene. So, brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, What we have here is not just another institution that exists merely to do good, to be useful, whether lower or uppercase, but what we have is a vessel for the power that set the stars in the sky, the love that animates the universe, specifically the superabundant, unlimited life and love of God that we meet in Jesus Christ poured out on each of us and for each of us extravagantly on the cross and poured out into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, like Mary and her nard, without earning or deserving, without thought as to the cost of the giver. It's a gift that's not only precious, It's priceless, and it's what makes us useful because this is given to us not to just hoard for ourselves, but life in the full to share with a world that's wasting away, to love as God loves, and like Mary, to give as God gives. May it be so, and thanks be to God. Amen.